0: Hey, Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to A Little Better. We want to wish you a Happy New Year, a Merry Christmas, and then whatever else is in between those two, Boxing Day. From the Northridge family, thank you guys so much for jumping in. My name is Aaron Hickson, the Rochester Campus Pastor, and I'm joined in the first A Little Better podcast of 2021 by Nate Miller, our Webster Campus Pastor. So welcome, Nate. Thanks for jumping in.
1: Yeah, glad to be here, man. Glad to be a part of it. Yeah. So um,
0: for all of our listeners and watchers, thanks. I hope you had a great holiday. You know, um, we are taking, you know, we took a little bit of a break, but we're back and we'll be jumping in next week with Drew and our series Silver Linings. And so things will be a little bit normal from there. Thank you for commenting and uh, subscribing and all the things that you do. I do want people to know, I think I'm being told that I have some internet issues today. So if I glitch or whatever, it's definitely on my end. Somebody call Spectrum and Tell them to fix it. All right. So sorry about that. If <laughs> we've got issues, um, and I know there are some people wanting to know. Okay, I had some. If you were following the last few weeks, um, we talked about eggnog a couple of weeks ago. My mom makes eggnog, and I she did make it over the holidays. I did have some of it, and it's basically just eggs, milk, heavy whipping cream, and vanilla. I think were the <laughs> ingredients. So I think it's just a vanilla milkshake with eggs instead of ice cream. So I don't know. It was good. There's it's just way better than whatever Pittsburgh Dairy sells because I can't stand that stuff. <laughs> but I know everyone needed to know that. They needed to know it was important. That was good. It was important stuff. So uh, speaking of important stuff, a couple things I need to say. One, both of us, there's just so much more beard going on when you're on the podcast than than Drew. It's just helpful to me, you know, to feel like I'm I'm among brethren. You know, there you go. Yours
1: <laughs> is doing well. It's it's thickening up. I feel like, man, it's nice. <laughs> yeah all our
0: podcast listeners are loving this right now (laughs) but other important things are that bro i watched the bills on sunday and oh my goodness they looked
1: good they are i don't i've never really felt this way at least i mean when the bills were good i was so young i didn't really know or appreciate it but You know how you watch really good teams and you're like, wow, that is – man, that team is locked and, you know, so often it's like the Patriots or it's Aaron Rodgers, but, like, these last couple weeks, at least the last half of the season, like, the Bills are like – man, they look like a legit – it's like solid team, so it's um, it's exciting and I, I, the
0: exactly right moment, dude. And yeah. th- for me, it's like third down. That's when you can tell, like, if a team is firing. It, when it gets to third down, if you just immediately get the feeling, like, and the is coming back out because we're punting <laughs> again. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like yeah. they always convert. I don't know how Stefan Diggs is always open, <laughs> but he's always no. open on third down. And then if Borges has to punt, he punts it to like the one. It was re- the first half. I only watched the first half. Isaiah McKenzie had three touchdowns, and Borges' punts were both into the like <laughs> single digits of the other. F- I was like, this is crazy. They look so good.
1: I know. It's, uh, a, it's exciting, man. And I think, like, I really feel like obviously the Chiefs are the big threat in the AFC every team's a threat I don't want to get cocky but like I'm feeling like we match up kind of well to them it's just a matter of like who can keep the other offense off the field the longest is probably what would end up happening but hey we got to get through the Colts we got to keep our heads you know focused on this weekend and take our business this week and There's a lot of
0: personal pronouns you were using there about us and we. I I assume that you're going to the game then as a result of that. (laughs) Oh man, I wish that would be pretty special. Oh my goodness, yeah. So anyway, I was. I'm happy for the Bills. That's a big moment, and of course, Tom Brady made it to the playoffs anyway. So (laughs) they they can't win.
1: (laughs) I know, of course.
0: So anyway, thanks for jumping in. I love that you've spoke the first message of 2020 and 2021. I looked back. I spoke the first message of 2016. Someone sent me a photo of their time hop of a photo of me (laughs) speaking on the first Sunday. And it's tragic, bro, when I'm wearing my hair. I'm looking at it right now. I wish you guys could join in. My bottom line takes up the entire TV. Remember when there was a TV? My bottom line is so long. Dude, it's bad. No, don't, don't listen to messages older than four years. You'll be embarrassed, <laughs> but thanks for jumping in and hopefully your bills prediction comes true. But some things I just wanted to ask related to your sermon development. I'm always interested in how people write sermons and where they come from, but so what led you to this message about foundational faith versus circumstantial faith? I was really encouraged by it. I felt like it flowed really logically. It really connected with my experiences about like. You know, yeah, that rings true, you know, of what I've seen in other people. So where did this come from? Book, blog, speaker, where'd you arrive in it?
1: Well, the whole idea of circumstantial faith and foundational faith is something I guess I've used a lot, like in counseling or mentoring, just with people coming through hard situations of just, it's so easy when we're in myself included, when life gets hard, like I'm just focusing on the here and now. But the whole idea of circumstantial faith and foundational faith, actually, that whole idea um, I first heard about at a conference that our staff went to, man, I think it was back in like 2013, somewhere around there, down in Atlanta at Andy Stanley's church. He does, does or... He used to do, they're kind of on break, everything's on pause right now due to COVID, but um, (laughs) every few years he would do um, a conference called DRIVE, and it was for church leaders, whether you're in ministry or not in ministry, but you want to come and you want to grow and be poured into. And in one of his sessions, he was talking just about that idea of circumstantial faith and foundational faith. And. Andy's pretty well known too, for just really just talking about how the foundation of our faith is an event. It's, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the resurrection validates all the claims of Jesus and really is what Christianity rests on. And so I had a journal and I had notes where I had just jotted down like circumstantial faith and foundational faith and the differences um, of that. What does circumstantial faith look like? Why is it weak and fragile? And so uh, I had remembered and I've kind of just used some of those principles over the years in different ways um, throughout just my ministry. And as I was going into this year and, and really thinking about like, man, what, do I, what do I talk about the first Sunday in a new year coming off one of the hardest years? That idea of foundations just kept coming back. And that's kind of where I started and just kind of took off from there. Yeah, you built your
0: foundation there, if you will.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there you go.
0: (laughs) Um, So, okay, I, I love that. And, you know, Andy has a way with a turn of phrase. I mean, that's one of his incredible gifts as a communicator is the ability to, you know, put it in a way that's memorable and portable. Um, but you said that, and you're right to quote Andy as saying that the foundation of our faith is an event. In fact, he gets himself in a lot of trouble because he, there's just all the controversy related to the fact that he says the foundation of our faith is not the Bible. And he has a whole thing about that. And he, you know, if you if you follow Christian subculture gossip, that's blown up over the last few years in particular, because of the release of his book, Irresistible, which talks about that quite a bit. But, um, so you said in your talk that the foundation of our faith is a person, Jesus, Andy was saying it's uh, an event. Do you see any difference there? What's the difference there? Is there, you know, did you intentionally not choose event versus person? I'm not digging for anything. I'm just
1: curious. Yeah. I mean, the reason I landed there was primarily who we are even as a church, like the source, like if you take a membership class here at Northridge Church, you know, and understand, you know, really who we are, what props up our whole entire organization, what are we based on? you know, we say that our source is the Bible and our source is the gospel. And so that that's where I, you know, how do we come to know who God is? We come to know him through his word. And then obviously through the person of Jesus Christ. So that's where I landed. I think with Andy, I, I think we're saying the same thing. I really do. People love to split hairs and try to assume that Andy is trying to discredit the Bible and he doesn't believe in the Bible. Then that is not the case at all. So, and I think at the end of the day, we're saying the same thing. I think he's He's always trying to think through the lens of someone who is not a believer, who is unchurched, that, that he's trying to win them over. That, that's the lens through which Andy Stanley thinks through with his entire approach to ministry and the church. And so I think logically to an unbeliever or someone who is a skeptic or an atheist, when you can pinpoint it to an event that happened in history and then it's validated by eyewitness accounts and by people like that is a strong argument. And so I think that's probably why he goes that route. And I I think that that's a fine route to go again at the end of the day. I don't think we're saying really anything different. I think his approach though, and really going after the young church is probably why he chose to say the foundation of our faith is an event, instead of just saying it's Jesus. He's specifically zeroing in on that resurrection piece. Um, And, And I like what you said too. I
0: think, Andy's point is ultimately the resurrection. It's not because of the resurrection. It's what the resurrection means. And what the resurrection means is that Jesus's claims were true. And so in you saying the foundation of our faith is a person. Well, without the resurrection, Jesus is just a guy who made a bunch of claims about himself and about his capabilities, but with the Jesus's claims, plus the resurrection mean Jesus is everything that he says that he was. So it's just, you're right. It's, it's circular, but it's all meaning the same thing that at the end of the day, we can trust God and trust in, His working in our life because of the person of Jesus Christ as validated in his bodily resurrection, validating all of his claims, the check cleared, you know, he wrote a huge check, I'm God and I can solve the world's problems. And it cleared when he, when he exits the tomb. So I love what you're saying about Andy's perspective because, you know, their whole mission as an organization is to make churches that unchurched people love to attend. That's their bottom line. They say that all the time. And so of course they're thinking through that lens. And um, since we have a a slightly different focus as an organization, it's going to make sense that we talk about things a little differently, but anyway, that's enough about Andy Stanley. That's not the point of this podcast. (laughs) I did love that. And I think, you know, you talk about the reasons people leave, circumstantial faith and one of them being uh, lifestyle choices and then experiences. I can't remember exactly how you worded it. Basically bad, bad stuff happens, but sure. I love that because as, as I was listening, I thought about like people that I know that have left faith or have made different choices when it comes to, you know, maybe their childhood faith or whatever. And it is so off for me, my experience has been whatever my experience is worth. I don't know if it's much, but my experience has been that people don't often Come to really profound academic conclusions after years of careful study and research on theism and different systems of faith and belief, et cetera, et cetera, they, they either, as you say, are drawn to a particular lifestyle, which is not compatible with what they were taught growing up. And they choose that lifestyle and then work backwards to distance themselves from their, from the teaching, or they, when it comes to you know, as you said, circumstances that like, I can't believe in a God who could, you know, whatever. Uh, Another way that that often happens is one semester of college, right? One professor Mm -hmm. who blows up their entire worldview with one class. Now I'm not going to say that one class is not research. Of course it's research. In fact, it's much more research than most people will ever do about faith. But at the same time, it's not like a lifetime of study. It's not 10 years of reasoned analysis it's one class you don't investigate it you don't go back home and read a contrary book that says something different you just have one class that blows up everything and you abandon faith you know so th- that's so interesting to me because as you mentioned that's 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 extremely an extremely uh, fragile way to operate in regards to faith, something that core to our being, being completely transformed by something as transient as an experience or a lifestyle choice is like, wow, really? Like that's gonna, that's gonna wipe it all out as opposed to, you know, something a little bit more substantial,
1: but that's, I, I think you're absolutely yeah. right. When it happens so easily and you only I think oftentimes people don't even recognize why they've come to that conclusion. And they might think it's, no, it's because of it. But in reality, it really is like, I've just moved away. And the reason I've moved away is more related to circumstances or the people in my life and and sometimes even, even a church experience or it's a parent or a relative or someone they know that claims to be a Christian, but then they have a bad experience with that person. They're like, man, I don't want anything to do with that. So then I'm going to, I'm going to move away from that position. And so, yeah, I I don't, I, I think more often than not, it is a reality of though it's not study, it's not deep research. It's more just these Yeah. Unexplainable circumstances that we just have a hard time wrapping our minds around, or it's just our heart is moving in this direction and we like this group of people and this or that. And so I'm going to adjust my belief system to allow me to continue to pursue what feels good to me. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes that's how people fall away or drift away or yeah. And that's the difference ultimately
0: between principle based living and, 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 you know, reason or faith based. Sure. Living, like going by what I feel and then working backwards from my feelings to what I think, instead of starting with my feelings and moving toward, I'm starting with my thinking and moving toward my feelings. Like, what do I know to be true? And how do I act mm. as a result of that? Um, and it's so I mean, like I am not casting stones because that's exactly how I live in my everyday life sure. where I find ways to do what I'd like to do um, by virtue of justification, which our minds are incredibly as- adept at finding ways to make our decisions sound reasonable <laughs> when yeah, uh, an outside observer would find them to be less than, less than reasonable. But um, in fact, this uh, one quote that this reminded me of was Matt Snyder. I don't remember maybe it was the week after Thanksgiving when he spoke, he talked about a, he, he gave a quote that like, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting it's been found difficult and left untried, um, That's which weird. I feel like is a helpful point of just like, I can't remember where that was originally from, like, you know, B.B. Warfield or
1: somebody. Uh, Knowing but, Matt, he probably actually came up with that. on the ground, so. <laughs> His, his pen name surprised. is actually
0: B.B. Warfield. <laughs>
1: uh, but
0: anyway, yeah, so I just think that that's so often the case when it comes to this academic side of Christianity. It's not like people are like, I did the research and I came to this conclusion. It's more just like, I kind of gave it a shot. It was all kind of confusing and my life experiences drew me this way, you know. Um, yeah. So anyway, Another point that you made that I wanted to ask about or talk about is that our time frame, the reason we're bad at interpreting our circumstances is that our time frame is too short. And I mean, has that ever been more true than in a year when we're like, 2020 was terrible? I can't wait for 2021, as if like the flipping of the calendar <laughs> is somehow going to change. And we're like, yeah. it has to end. And man, I'm not denying the difficulty of this year. It's been terrible for so many people brutal, literally life changing for many, many people. But like, it's still just one year yeah. Mm-hmm. and not to mention, okay, let's go back to the, you know, the Spanish flu, the, the, that pandemic, whatever, 1917 or whatever, whenever that was, how many of us had ever even heard of that before this year? You know sure. I mean? That wasn't even a hundred years ago. And we're already like, Wait, what? The Spanish influenza? Like, what? what's going on? I've never even heard of, it. and like all of a sudden it was relevant to us when it, that was only you know ninety seven years ago. That's that's our timelines, right? Like, how many of us can even name a great grandparent's first name? Our, our view of the world is not just centered on me. It's centered on me in the last 10 minutes.
1: <laughs> yes, so. for sure. That And that is just such the fast paced, ever changing new and adapting world in which we live in that it makes it even harder probably for us to think outside our limited perspective. And yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I mean, even just looking back, I mean, in the Bible, you see how 400 years of silence, The you know, you see that Israel was in the desert, you know, wandering around for 40 years. Like, it's just, we have had such a, I mean, it, it's hard to even compare it to some of those realities of suffering and things that people have had to endure that. Uh, it's just, I, yeah, it's the reality of the culture in which we live. I don't want to just bash on everybody because we all struggle with it to one degree or another, but it is a reality that I think it's helpful for us to take a step back and be like, all right, it's okay. Like mm. God, God has this, we can, we can trust in him in this. Yes, it's tough and it is difficult and it's challenging. people have had to face some really tough challenges over this last year. Um, but I think we can find comfort in knowing that our God still is faithful and we have a track record of that, that we can see and find.
0: Yeah. And we can trust him because of who, as you said, because of who he is, like not necessarily what he does or how we interpret what he does, but who he is in his ontology, right. in his essence. And we know that through his word. And when we have comfort in that, then as I love what you said, like the stories of faith that can be most inspiring are the ones where their situation never changes, where they 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 live their life and die without ever seeing their mm. their blessed hope appear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of faith that I want to have, as you said, in your message, because that's the kind of faith that says, Genuinely, no matter what, like my timeline, I'm not talking, I love how you said, like we start praying on Tuesday and if by Friday, we're kind of like, I mean, I'll be generous, you know, give him 10 business days or whatever, but like, I'm (laughs) going to see results here. Um, But like, it's not just that I'm I'm not on a week's timeline. I'm not on a year's timeline. I'm not even on a my lifetime timeline. I'm on a whatever God sends is best timeline, genuinely understanding that my story of course, it's important to me. It's the only story I'll ever have. But on the on the timeline of God's working in the universe, we have to as Christians hold intention tension the fact simultaneously that he both loves and knows us individually. He knows every hair on our head. He knows the day that we're born, the day we'll die and everything that happens in between. We matter to God, but we are also just one person in a world history where God is bending the arc of world history toward redemption. And while we matter deeply enough for him to send Jesus to die for us, we're still just one person. And so, like, the Christian worldview forces us to be both very important to God and fully trusting that we're just one person in the world history, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I hope that brings comfort and hope to people to, to know this greater plan that God, because I think when, when it gets hard, we lose sight of that plane. And it's like, God isn't in control. What is he doing? But like when you step back and have that perspective on it, it can, it can give you hope to know that no, he is working his plan out and we may not see it in our lifetime and that's okay, but we can still have great confidence and hope and know that he is in control. He is sovereign and bringing things his perfect plan um, to be.
0: And uh, the, The the illustration of going to the dentist, we were talking about, you know, taking Claire to the dentist or whatever, and... I love that idea because, you know, of course to her in that moment or to any of us, that's like life defining, like my whole life's going to be over in this dentist visit or whatever. And not only is that not going to define even that, it probably not even going to define that full day. It's not even probably going to define that full week. It doesn't even speak to the intentions and the life that you're speaking into her as you plan, like which schools she should go to. And as you know, God's plan for her future spouse or whatever, like there's so many like huge big picture things. But in that moment as a kid, it's so easy to fixate on one thing. And that's just a perfect microcosm of how we deal with much larger right. problems, but the same kind of thing where we've lost sight like, completely of the fact that God's not only working in our week and our year, he's got plans of how our life is going to intersect with someone else's and completely change their future. And all of that is so bigger, so much bigger than the dentist appointment that we are going to, you know. Um, but yeah. instant gratification impacts that hugely. Like I was just, As you were talking about how we're all like this, dude, this week I'm having internet issues. I went to order a new router. I haven't bought a new router in seven years, and I think um, the internet has changed in the last seven years. I think that's gotten better. (laughs) A little (laughs) bit, yeah. (laughs) It turns out. So anyway, I went to buy a new router, and I went to buy it from Google, and I went on Google's website, blah blah blah, purchased it, hit send, and it said it was going to arrive in like ten days. I was like, "You have to be joking." (laughs) I was so mad. So then I went to Amazon and had the same exact product, same price, two day shipping. And I was just like, forget this. I bought it on Amazon, went back and canceled my order on Google. And I just thought to myself, like, I had to cancel my Google order to use my Amazon order so that I can have faster internet. I needed a faster access to my faster internet. <laughs> and that's just why I'm terrible at interpreting live events. We just have no perspective. Our world is so small.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. So you talked about how we need to understand who God is, uh, through his word and through, um, a person, Jesus. Um, talk to me about how you approach the Bible. You talked about like Google, you know, who is God or, you know, names of God or attributes of God. Do you have a normal Bible reading plan? Do you have an approach that you typically follow at the start of the year? What are you planning for this year? Talk to me about
1: that. Yeah, I'm planning this year to continue actually doing what I did last year. And, um, I really enjoyed kind of where I landed last year. And I always like to mix it up. I've kind of always had a habit of doing that. I've done the read through the Bible plans, you know, from, you know, Genesis through, I've done it chronologically, you know, there's all different approaches to that and all of them are great. And what I found though, last year was, I just needed a season where I almost kind of slowed down in my time with God. And so what I did last year was, um, I started in the gospel of John, ended up working through John, Philippians and Ephesians, those books. And I just went actually slow. And so I mentioned in my talk, I, I enjoy using the ESV study Bible. I have it right on my computer so I can like read along. And I, I found the commentary is really helpful and good. And I just take my time. And some days I'll read longer. Some days I'll read a phrase or, you know, half of a verse or something like that, but just really try to to dig in a little bit deeper into, into those verses. So Uh, and I enjoyed that last year. That was really, really good. So I'm doing that this year. I'm going through Romans. I'm starting in Romans and I'm doing the same thing. I don't have a set time. I'm not trying to cover two verses a day or 10 verses a day or a chapter a day. I'm just really just trying to just slowly take my way through that. Um, and so that's my plan right now. I did it last year. I enjoyed it. I'm planning to do that this year. And then next year we'll kind of evaluate and see, and maybe I go to larger chunks again, like I've done before in the past, but, uh, um, but yeah, that's how that helps keep it fresh too to me. I, and I think that that's important, not that that's the way everyone has to do it, but that's the way I found it. It's helpful for me to learn who God is to have that daily habit of spending time in his word, whatever that may, may look like. Mm, that's good. Yeah. How about yeah. you? What are you doing? What's your plan? <laughs> I know you, you're similar in that regard. You, I know journaling is a big part too, of you processing and learning and growing, but like any changes for you, are you keeping things the same for this year?
0: Yeah, I don't think I have any intended. I, I, at least I can say I'm not planning to. Um, one of my goals this year, um, I, I'm just feeling like, for whatever reason, when it comes to my Bible reading, that it has been less I don't know if the word is meaningful. That sounds bad, you know, to make the Bible not seem meaningful, but there every, you know, you go through seasons and I feel like I've been in a season recently where it has felt less. So one of my goals for this year is, um, saturation in the word and vibrant prayer. Those are two things that I'm kind of trying to lean into. And I don't even know what I mean by that necessarily, other than I just want to be a person who's characterized by both a knowledge of an understanding of, and, um, be characterized by constantly bringing things back to the scriptures. And I feel like that's not, that hasn't been as true of me of late as I would like it to be. So that, that would lead me toward word saturation. I'm like, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. Like I, in fact, I almost jumped into a 2021 full Bible reading plan, but anytime I do big chunk reading, I find that it's really good for my box checking personality and really bad for my depth of spiritual growth journaling is just not conducive to that. Like the amount of time it takes to, to read the Bible in a year and journal, I would be spending two hours a day and I've got young kids. It's just not realistic that I'm going to do that. So I, I think I'm going to stick with the journaling and going small chunks. I've been reading in James three this morning, I was doing something different. I decided to jump in and I was reading first Peter and I just, I go real slow as you're saying, and just do journaling. So that's my plan for this year, but I don't, I don't know that it's it's anything other than, as you say, kind of day to day analyzing what feels like it's working.
1: <laughs> sure, so, sure.
0: Anyway, okay. Hey, is there anything else you wanted to throw in here? Stuff that you know got left on the editing room floor, or things you wanted to include as we kind of wrap up?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I just, you know, I love you know even thinking through the whole Google idea of like, man, Google, can you even leverage Google as a way or a tool to help us in our Bible reading? I, I think. Sometimes people can feel intimidated to do that. But the reason I threw that out there is that I hope it encourages people to realize it it can be as simple as you want to make it. And there are tools and resources out there that can help you. Like use Google as a search tool to help you narrow down specific parts or pieces about God or about the Bible that that you want to focus in on. There's so many great resources that are out there. Um, like uh, my wife, Emily is doing one through the Bible project. And I think, N through you version where you can go through the Bible chronologically and it will like, um, it's an audio Bible tied to it. Uh, I forget exactly how it all works, but the point is, I'm just trying to put practical resources out there for people. So I hope, I hope that was one example that man, it's easy, easier than you think, perhaps maybe to go deeper than maybe you've gone before. In your yeah. Yeah.
0: I love it. As practical as we can be everything from you version to right now media. I mean, the amount of resources that are out there, there are some guys in my community group who just like, they're really smart people. They just really don't like reading. Like the act of physically reading is not something that they've ever really connected with. And these are people with, you know, advanced degrees and great jobs, et cetera, but they just don't like that act. And so right now media is amazing for them because they can engage with the scriptures through preaching and teaching. And right now media does that super well and it's not just like listening to the bible which is not always helpful for them but like right now media has you know bible content and bible preaching and you can watch a video it's you know just a better accessible way so w- what we are not short on in 2021 <laughs> is a ways to do it what it's very easy to be short on is the self discipline to put other kinds of distracting media away to find time to create space where you can really connect with God. And I think there has never been a time in anyone's life, this will always be true. There's never a more important task than connecting with God and knowing him for who he is so that we can have something more than just circumstantial faith. For sure, man. It's good stuff. All right. Hey, Nate, thanks so much for jumping on. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for engaging in whatever ways you engage, whether that's through the podcast, through rate, subscribe, and review, or whether that's on social media or however you get to us. We're glad that you get to us and that you keep doing so. Please uh, continue to send us in your thoughts and engagements. If you've got a Bible reading plan that you think is better than Nate and I's we're going to do a giveaway. And I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but for real, if you guys have, you know, suggestions on Bible reading plans that you think could be helpful to people of our church or even to uh, Nate and I or Drew or whoever, please just send them in. We love engaging with you guys. So thanks for taking the time to listen in. We'll see you next week.